production. Here at Listener, we acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. It's a lot, isn't it? It is starting because I've started a conversation. I've got gorgeous Sean Zepps here. Hello. And the host of Come Out Wherever You Are. That's me. Also, just iconic parents, iconic gay, iconic podcast host, media personality, influencer, <sighs> father, just <laughs> all the things. Hair, hair icon. <laughs> the curls are always perfect. And we were just talking about poppers. <laughs> yes, we were. And we turned the mic on ASAP. It's like, and we went, I was going to be like, so having twins. No, we're talking with poppers and we're getting into it. Okay. Pop that conversation right open. So I was talking about how I used to do anal all the time. Mm. Like, like honestly, sometimes more frequently than vaginal penetration. Me too. Yeah. Oh, Almost crazy? exclusively, Queen. Yeah. yeah. Almost. You would be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I and then I I I lost my my mojo mm. and we're talking about how I've tried with poppers before but haven't ever like it's never like it's never worked for me. Oh. And I'm wondering, do you do it pre-penetration or during? Or you both? have come to the right place. <laughs> Class is in session. Sean, do you want to take this one or should I? I think you should start. <laughs> Okay. As the single fierce queen, still living your best life. Uh, before, That's during, after, as many times as you want. Mm. That animal yeah. nitrate is just a treat for your anus. But we actually don't condone using it. No, it's video head cleaner. <laughs> I use it for my leather harnesses. I yeah. clean that leather all the time. Oh, I yeah. instantly. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Oops. Like, I personally Neither. wouldn't know because I've never had anal sex before. So, like, this is not a, a topic that I can talk what? about openly. Yeah, yeah no. Nope, nope, nope. No, nope. never. You don't wouldn't dare. But what I will say is I may or may not have, cannot confirm that this story is true, <laughs> was in a bed. Okay. <laughs> and poppers may or may not have porn, been pouring down my face, down my nose, <gasps> oh, into no. my mouth. Okay, tell me Projectile what vomit. Immediately? Oh, yes. Okay, so this was immediate. Circa 2010. Okay, let me paint a picture. (laughs) Trashy bachelor pad, white walls, white bed. And usually, you know, the before, during, and after is correct. Poppers, obviously, uh, calm you down, lubricate, open you up, help you out, make the experience uh, less painful, potentially. And then, you know, just a a little little bump of the shoulder. And it just went from where you would normally be <laughs> sniffing down the nostril, down the mouth, and then it's not good. So not a back through down your nostril. The, yeah, down. And then I just was like, run to the bathroom, bomb, 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 bomb. Oh, my God. So you ruined... Is this, you said it was a second date? Oh, yeah. This was right away. That's how you know... Yeah, exactly. It was, it was real. If and there then wasn't I came any back like... like you know, everything's fine. Like We're good to go. Do you want to do it again? Was he, was he like, no, end of conversation. No, we ended. End of conversation. Let's go get a drink. Let's leave the house. Yeah. Some would say I'm a trooper because I've been doing it amulless and been training myself for weeks in advance and like mm, doing mm, bigger and bigger mm, buck mm. because I learned how to do anal from a beautiful, I went into this place called The Den in Brisbane. Yes. Um, it's a sex it's a sex toy store. I don't know if it's still there, but it's in the corner in the valley and it's like mm. purple and black and it's, it's a very classic like adult store, you know what I mean? Mm, like, hot. Yeah, hot. And there, was, um, and there was a gay man in there wearing a fishnet singlet. Um, staple. Yeah, staple. <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, what are you looking for? And I was like, um, I want to start doing anal. I don't know what, I know what happened. I was like 19. I was like, I just want to try anal. Yes. And then he he was like, you know, get different size butt plugs, the lubes, do it yourself, no, 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 no. But Amal was ever mentioned. Wow. Fine enough, maybe as an employee, he couldn't, <laughs> maybe he couldn't push forward that. I mean, maybe, but also like we have gotten here as a human civilization without Amal. We have been <laughs> analing for centuries, my queen. Like yeah. for such it's a like long time. The cavemen yeah. were exploring Amal. without Amal. <laughs> Natural if resource. They did it, we can too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Sean, okay, I okay, we've got a few, we've got three major topics that I want to talk to you about. Okay. But I want to talk to you. I was talking to um uh well, I keep bringing him up, but Conrad. Talking to him about you last night at dinner. I'm like, wow, I have a boyfriend now. My boyfriend? I was talking about my boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> but at dinner last night, and he was like, Oh, who's in the podcast? And I was like, Sean. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, I love Sean because I feel like, and I don't know if it's because I don't have kids, so I don't follow that many like parenting influences, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I do know a few in Australia and I feel like their content is one of two things. And yours is neither of these, by the way, before I say this, which is (laughs) a good thing. I'm nervous. I think it's either like really polished and really like parenting. Ah, let's organize the fridge and cut up fruit perfectly. Mm -hmm. And this is how you braid hair. And then, or it's like faux real, Mm. where it's like, oh my God, sometimes a baby vomits on you and that's how hard parenting is. And like, yeah, we know. Like I've held a baby for 10 seconds and had a baby vomit on me. Like Mm. Like that's like... We know these things. Yeah. Whereas your content, I think, shows a broad spectrum of parenting mm. and shows the actual surprisingly hard things or things that I think following you has made me appreciate my mum more. Oh, good. <laughs> and being like, I've always appreciated Laura, we love her to death, but being like, yeah, fuck, how did you take care of me when you were hungover? Yeah. Or like, yeah. how did you yeah. take care of me when like, when you had a cold? Like you, because I had a single mother. Yeah. So I'm like, how the fuck? Like, yeah, that's true. So your content shows like actual parenting. Mm, thank Don't you. you think? I mean, I think it comes down to this. Once you become a parent, and okay. this is just media, this is evolution, this is just the reality of society, you lose yourself in the job. Mm-hmm. It is all consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to just nail it. Mm-hmm. And so if you were a media personality before, if you had an Instagram before, it's easy because it's the only thing you're thinking about to constantly create content about yeah. the parenting experience. I was just talking off mic before we started, mm-hmm. have been going through for the last four years a midlife crisis. Can I be a parent and also continue to be Sean? Yes. Do I have to talk about it all the time? If I go out with my friends and get absolutely waste case, what's the impact of, of being a great dad the next morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I hate being a dad, am I allowed to talk about that too? Because bitch does Someone sometimes. literally asked this. One of the questions that I got that everyone talked to you about was someone said, I love my kids to death, but I, sometimes I hate being a mom. Am mm. I a horrible person? No. Oh my goodness. If anything, what's critical to acknowledge is that everyone is thinking this and refuses to put it mm-hmm. out into the world. Your concern about like the two types of parents are true. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a performative role. Mm-hmm. Only show the best moments. Only show when you're thriving. Make mm-hmm. sure the pictures are polished of the kids smiling. But the dirty reality is the kids don't want to smile. They don't want to mm-hmm. be in the picture. You, and you're not enjoying it the whole mm-hmm. damn time. If we could talk more about that reality— mm-hmm without having to constantly say, but I love them. You know I love them. You know I love my children. You know I love being a parent. But instead of just going in and being like, you know what, this is really freaking hard and I've lost myself and I'm exhausted and I can't see my friends as much as I want to and I can't do my job as good as I want to and that sucks and I'm angry about it. That's okay to talk like that. Yeah, and now they're also a part of your job. So now Mm. it would be hard for you to separate that identity of being a parent and being sure and being... Like your content is about parenting because you're a wonderful parent Mm. and because we love your content about parenting, Mm. but it would be difficult. I'll be honest. I would not recommend it. Uh, Really? I I really actually do love being a dad. I enjoy Mm. my children a lot. We have a wonderful family dynamic. Now that's out of the way. We know that. Let's not say (laughs) we have to qualify it. But the, the truth is when you're getting paid a large chunk of cash to represent a brand or go to an event or be on a TV show and your children are there. Mm. That strange duality of of wanting to do the best job you can do, mm-hmm. you know, work girl mode. Yeah. You're there, you're on set, the camera crew is there. You uh-huh. want to impress, you want to get your money, you want to show them that you're worthy. Yeah. That duality of also needing to continue to be a good f- parent when children never, ever want to behave and follow the rules mm-hmm. is hard. It absolutely is. You know, all you want to do is get the picture and get the job done. And then also, you know that children don't want to sit still. Yeah, it's super tricky. And if you could find a balance of being able to do the parenting job online or on TV, and not have them a part of it all the time, mm-hmm. that also gives them space to not need to be in the limelight. Yeah. You know? So how do you grapple with that? Because you were saying the last four years you've been yeah. doing your midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> the first what two, are the thoughts? Mm, the first two years, it was all them. Mm. I really thought that that's what everybody wanted. If I wanted to make a name for myself as a parent in a space where queer people are usually not welcomed, mm-hmm. the parenting community. If I wanted to carve a niche for myself and enter myself into the conversation. So anytime someone thought of parenting, they said, Sean in mm-hmm. this country should be a part of the combo. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, then you must show the kids all the time, constantly. Yeah. Every park trip, 
every outing. What I've since learned in the last two years is people are actually much more interested, specifically mothers, in the person behind the parenting. Yes, even me, not as a parent, Mm. nowhere near close to having kids. I'm interested. That's why I like your content. Like you're Mm. the only like parenting influencer that I follow and enjoy engaging with because it is about the realities of being a parent as an individual person, not as your only role is parenting, if that makes sense. 100%. And there are wonderful women who do it quite well in Australia. But I, you know, I think there's this pressure once it's the job Mm. to ensure that everyone is seeing the children all the time. Mm. So in the beginning, I had strict rules. I said, you will never see my children without fully clothed. You'll never Mm -hmm. see them in a bathroom. Mm -hmm. You'll never see them crying, vomiting, Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. You will never see... Um, them saying things they might potentially regret. Basically, all the rules you would have for your girlfriends. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you would never post those things <laughs> yeah. without asking them Your girlfriend's first. vomiting. Like. Yeah. Every, so that was my rule mm. in the upfront, and that's remained consistent mm. uh, throughout. But what I have done over the course of the last year is if you're following me for pure parenting advice, you're not going to get it. What you're going to get is a beautiful representation of my truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a parent is a part of who I am. It's mm-hmm. not every aspect of my mm-hmm. life. Um, but I talk about parenting, but I just talk about the ramifications of me. So there's still a lot of pictures of just me or just me and my husband or mm-hmm. something I did with my friends mm-hmm. balanced out with my yeah. children. So they're seen a lot less, which bugs OG fans. Like, where are your children? Right. Are they okay? I got boundaries, sis. They have boundaries too. Yeah. And I just don't show them as much. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there's a pressure as well to be a parent that's all about their children and to to not have that form of self-identity. Is that a huge pressure as well from all of the parenting influences? Not that they're being malicious, but I think that that is a rarity to be like, I'm a person and I have kids. Mm. And recently I've made some friends who have uh, like five and six-year-old kids Mm. and they're, and it's for the first time in my life I've been in group chats with parents who are like, I'm fucking hungover and should we go to the park today because we're so hungover and we need to have like a group parenting thing or like can we all hang out this afternoon because the kids are fucked and two, you know, two of the parents are hungover. Can we have like people over take care of them? And I've never seen it from that perspective. Everything I've seen has been like the kids are my life and I'm my, I'm my kid's life and I'm the only person that can help with this and I'm also my entire being is the children mm. and I can imagine that pressure to have your personality be your kids is overwhelming. Absolutely. And I'm going to say this up front so that, you know, the trolls don't come a knock in. I'm a white man. Yes, I'm gay, but I have such intense privilege. Mm-hmm. And my community, men, uh, my gender, the gender label of a father, to pretend that my relationship to the, uh, the struggle of being a parent and it mm-hmm. being all-consuming and being the label would be a, would be a joke. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, for all of human history, there's been such intense expectations on women. Mm-hmm. You must be a good mother. You must mm-hmm. be at home. You must be fully dedicated. You must love it. Mm-hmm. Whereas for most of human history, men didn't have to do any of those <laughs> things and they were still rewarded yes. for it. So all I can do is speak from my truth, my experience. I don't mm-hmm. represent men and I don't mm-hmm. represent gay people. Mm-hmm. I just represent Sean. Mm-hmm. So- Don't come for me. Um, Yeah, I think there's like absolutely 100% intense pressure to present that you really enjoy it. And when you don't enjoy it, people articulate why it is critical for you to enjoy it. When you say, I'm having a bad day, people will come and say, I couldn't even have children. At least you could. At least you're alive at the right time in history where gay men are allowed. Like the world still really wants us, women in particular, to enjoy it. Mm And I don't think that's what everybody signed up for. Everyone signed up for an opportunity to raise our next generation, an Mm -hmm. opportunity to connect with someone maybe that you love or a partner that you're with to continue that beautiful family tree. Mm -hmm. We signed up for the next step in the human experience Mm -hmm. if that's something we enjoy. But no one signed paperwork that said they were going to like it the whole damn time. Well, parenting seems to be the only thing that you need to enjoy all the time. Any job you have, you're allowed to complain about. Any friendship you have, you're allowed to say, you know what, they're annoying me. Any relationships, you're allowed to complain about it. But parenting, Mm -hmm. there always needs to be a caveat of my kids are the most important thing in the world to me and I'm obsessed them and I would do anything for them. Obviously. Yeah. Yes, obviously. Well, think about it. Like if someone came to work one day and was like, I fucking hate my children. Mm. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, ooh, are those children safe? Like that's just what we think when people say they don't like it. And so there's that tricky line. I think the the tides are changing. I've noticed in Australia, there seems to be more and more parents Mm -hmm. just being like, I had a shitty day. I had to hide away from the kids. I had a crappy Mm -hmm. week and I just told my husband to take them away from me or 
to be honest with you, I've lost myself and I wish I could find me again. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing more and more and more support. That's the benefit of social is as people start to share their truth, that's my Mm -hmm. like only recommendation if you want to do what I do for a living is Mm -hmm. if you just speak your freaking truth and just don't Mm -hmm. worry about the fact that there's going to be any judgment. It's totally fine to love parenting half the time. I always say having a love-hate relationship with being a parent is very healthy. And if you Mm -hmm. can speak that truth, I think you're going to find a tribe of people like your girlfriends in the text mm-hmm. messages who actually like you way more than they would like the performative, glorious parenting. Absolutely. The photos on the Sunday morning being like, I'm so hungover. I'm like, all right, I'll come help. Or yes. like, I go into the kids, you know, and the kids being there when we're all drinking and like, go and watch the princess show in the other <laughs> room. Like, I've never had those experiences with 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 uh, parents because I'm 26. So I'm, yeah. none of my friends have kids yet, but now I'm friends with kind of an older group. Yep. And it's just been so, it's been so amazing. Mm. So I wanted to start this off, even though gone tangents, I love this I for love us. A tangent, God, we're good mate. tangent. <laughs> so you have twinnies, yep. gorgeous little things, mm-hmm. um, and you used a surrogate. That's right. Can you tell that story? Sure. So obvi- I'll take you guys back, I guess, to maybe 2013. My husband and I um, were engaged and we were looking to get married and we started to have the conversation around parenting. At the time, I did not know that surrogacy was a thing. I had never heard the word mm-hmm. before. I didn't understand it. I didn't know that women could carry for other humans. It made mm-hmm. no sense to me. Mm-hmm. All I knew was that as a gay person, you couldn't get legally married mm-hmm. and you your only option for children was adoption. That's mm-hmm. just like, or fostering. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get engaged. I think that that's just going to be my life is I'll you know, have a little engagement for the next decade mm-hmm. and I will go through the adoption process when the time mm-hmm. is right. Mm-hmm. Then New York State heard that we were engaged and they were like, Sean and Josh want to get married. Like, let's change the laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, yeah. It was very important. Know, yeah. So we get legally married. Amazing. <laughs> Through the poppers and everything. I they've, mean, made pop- they- like, they've made it. They've made it. After this, all this, Sean has gone through with the poppers, we need, we need to pass the marriage law. So I did what I think every gay couple at the time who wanted to have children did. You just start going to adoption um, like sessions. Okay. And a girlfriend from university reached out to me in my Facebook messenger and says, have you ever heard of surrogacy before? I'd love to carry your children. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> is, who is she? Like, has she lost the plot? What does that had mean? She, wait, so you hadn't seen her since when? Uni. So like it would have been, you know, like four or five years or something. You know, it'd been a while. <laughs> we Facebook. talked a lot, but I was yeah, like, right. I was like, I actually thought what she meant in that moment was, she want to have sex with me? Oh, look, she's like, she wants to. Maybe, I don't know. She's, she's in love with you the whole time. She's been waiting yes, for her moment. she's having yeah. her moment. She's, she's claiming for it. And you're like, it. fair enough. And I'm not, yeah. not interested. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. Love yeah. girl. So I Google it. And while I'm Googling and doing research, she's sending me messages and says, so I'm actually currently pregnant with a gay guy's child. Surrogacy is when a woman carries a child for another girlfriend, a sister, a stranger, uh, just because she's so selfless and she wants to be able to give that gift. Mm -hmm. So I Google it and instantly, like, all I see is negativity. Mm -hmm. It's like an article from the New York Times that says, you know, husband dies and sister who is carrying child refuses to give up baby. So in my mind, I'm like, surrogacy equals a scary space. But as Mm -hmm. I started to do more research, I realized there are surrogacy agencies in the United States, at the time, also in Mexico, also in Russia, I think, that allowed women to be compensated financially Mm -hmm. um, for caring for a child. Mm -hmm. Not just gay couples. Obviously, gay people cannot uh, have children on their Mm -hmm. own, so they need the assistance. But, you know, straight couples that were struggling, that tried the IVF process, that might have not had the ability to carry. There are Mm -hmm. so many women who struggle with with egg retrieval or carrying. And so surrogates have become this beautiful option. Mm -hmm. And for those women who want to be surrogates— you know, oftentimes there are women, um, maybe some people that are listening who love being pregnant, who mm-hmm. love it. And then they finish their family. They've had two or three kids and they go, I wish I could keep being pregnant. It's such a beautiful experience. And so mm-hmm. those women tend to find surrogacy agencies. Uh-huh. So I talked to my husband about it and he liked the idea, but we continue down the path. I think one thing to acknowledge for anyone listening, adoption in the United States is like, I guess if I translate it to Aussie, you know, you're paying like forty or fifty thousand dollars for the process. Mm-hmm. Surrogacy, you're paying two hundred and fifty. A lot, a lot of, of money. money, a quarter of a million dollars, and that's with everything. That's travel and food and lawyers and whatever. So the other thing was like, is that something we want to do? Do we yeah. want to go in debt just to have children yeah. when we when there are amazing children out there in the world 
you know, that need to be fostered yeah. or adopted. Then, dun, 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 dun. New Year's Eve comes around and I get a phone call from a family member. And I'm like, oh, they're just calling to like say happy new year or whatever. And on that phone call, this woman said, I'd like to give you my eggs as a gift. And in that moment, you're like, what had made her decide this? I had been talking about it a lot. I had educated everyone in my life that this was an option because I just, I talk a lot. I'm also an oversharer. (laughs) I love, 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 love. And we were going to agency meetups and and contacting surrogacy agencies and figuring out the process. And through that process, I had learned that mothers and sisters and cousins could all donate their eggs. Mm -hmm. And when combined with the sperm of the partner, gay couples could, for the first time in human history, have children that were genetically tied to both children. So when I got that offer on that phone call, I, you know, in in just a blink of an eye, your internalized homophobia, your your lifetime of believing that you might not be able to have uh, a life like everybody else, you might not be able to, you know, make a child, have a child that is yours, you know, that just was something I had wiped away. I had completely mm. suppressed. And in that moment, in that phone call, I was like, if I have the opportunity, I think I would chase it. Mm-hmm. So I spent some time talking with my husband about how we felt. There's so much to unpack. Yeah. That relationship with the donor that's, mm-hmm. you know, gifting that to you, the potential ramifications on your family, the ramifications mm-hmm. on your children, mm-hmm. their desire to be connected to their mother, all mm-hmm. of those questions you have to work through. And so we worked through it for about a year. Mm-hmm. Just questions, 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 mm-hmm. poking holes, having difficult conversations, getting in arguments about it, getting to mm-hmm. the point where we felt not only was it an option for us, but it was something that we were willing to, to invest in emotionally and financially. Mm-hmm. And so we found a surrogacy agency in Boston, Massachusetts. We went through the IVF process with our egg donor in Los Angeles. We found a surrogate in Minnesota. She carried our twins, uh, gave birth in Minnesota. We became legal parents uh, two weeks later Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And I think we have a rare, a very rare first in human history experience. You know, we're alive right now and there are gay people on this earth who are getting the opportunity to look at their children. You know, my kids come running home to me and they say, can you help me fill out the family tree? Mm, I can do that. You can do it. Yeah. Um, with my husband and with me. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really special, quite unusual in this country. It's not legal. So yes, altruistic surrogacy where you do it for free out of the kindness of your heart. You can do that in Australia. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, be paid. You can't currently be paid. It's being discussed and it has been discussed. Mm-hmm. I think every state is attempting, Surrogacy Australia is a wonderful organization that is attempting to make mm-hmm. this possible. Uh, yeah, but that's the story. So what's your view on that, on it not being legally, not being legal to be paid to be a surrogate in Australia? It's really a fascinating conversation and I think the intention is a, is a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. It's really um, an argument that I think has divided feminist organizations for a very long time, which is mm-hmm. it's the woman's right to make the decision, but also to be compensated and to work is not so dissimilar to selling your body. And yes. so naturally, the, all of those conversations are quite heated. Mm-hmm. I obviously feel that if, even though our surrogate is this selfless human who's an aunt who my children know, my daughter's middle name is named after her. Like mm-hmm. it's an incredibly integral part of our family and I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The thought of her doing all of that and not being able to compensate her for her time, for risking her life because mm-hmm. the pregnancy, you literally risk your life. Um, for the travel, for the hospital stays, for the mm-hmm. clothes, like all of that, I felt it was really important that she be compensated for that. Mm-hmm. But I also don't, really struggle so much with the idea that there are people who don't even want the money, who just would love more than anything to help, to help. somebody. Yeah. So I struggle a little bit with like what's right or what's wrong. The, mm-hmm. the truth is if you live in this country and this is something that you want, you can go to America. In mm-hmm. fact, the surrogacy agency we worked with, the video that we watched was of, of an Australian couple. Oh, really? <laughs> so <laughs> clearly the Aussies are going there to get it done. I would love it to be accessible for Australian Mm -hmm. couples here. And I'd love for women, if that's something that they want to do, if they love Mm -hmm. being pregnant, I would love for them to be compensated for that time. Pregnancy is really hard. Mm -hmm. A lot of women aren't able to work during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So to get paid for that process, I, you know, I think that would be a beautiful next step. Yes. Um, So you said it cost a quarter million dollars, including all the fees. Can I ask how much the actual surrogate got? It's, a range based off of 
how many children you've had. Mm. Um, because and you had twins. Yeah. So was that like a bonus or was that like? Yeah, they get additional money. Really? Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah. break it down. Yeah. Um, well, obviously it's like there's disclosure agreements around being able to talk about how much oh, she specifically yeah. got, but we should talk about it. I think it's really healthy to understand. Yeah. Um, there are basically ranges. Okay. To be a surrogate, you have to have had a successful pregnancy mm-hmm. to full term without a C-section. Right. Okay. And that's just because there are people, these couples are obviously paying so much money mm-hmm. to, to bring this family into existence. And a lot of women actually want to be surrogates. A lot of women would love to, to give that gift to mm-hmm. other people. There's a lot of selfless people in this mm-hmm. world. It, actually, the process reminded me that like, actually the world is a good place. Yeah. Um, but so it's really somewhere in the kind of 30,000 to 50,000 range and, mm-hmm. and potentially even more. I'm sure Beyonce's surrogate Was, made in the hundreds yeah. of thousands. Um, but yeah, th- so th- she can be compensated about that range. And so if we took an average and said about 45, but then there's also food allowances, clothing allowances, mm-hmm. um, travel allowances. If they're, if they're needing to go to different mm-hmm. places to go to hospital appointments, we also wanted to see them frequently. They came to Australia. And so we pay for all of that. And mm-hmm. so it's just making sure that basically anything that has to do with us or the experience that she doesn't not and her entire family does not have to lift a finger financially or literally. Right. Okay. And I had someone ask a question. Um, I I presume they had kids through surrogacy and they yeah. asked, how do you deal with people saying that these aren't your real kids or they aren't actually related to you, even though they mm. are? Yeah. How do you deal with those comments? Or do you get those comments often? It's actually probably the number one insult is uh, who's really? the real dad? Uh, where's the real mom? Um is Stella, in particular, they're focused on my daughter. Like, is mm-hmm. Stella ever going to get to meet her real mother? Or mm. is it ever weird when you look at your children and realize they're not yours? Because the truth is, even though there's a genetic component, I'm not naive to the fact that mm. I didn't make these children. Mm-hmm. What I like to remind myself of, and this is what's so useful about being an outsider in the parenting space, because oftentimes I do feel like I'm sitting on the sidelines, like observing the, my, <laughs> the majority mm. parents, like mm. living their existence, is I actually realize on the sidelines with me are single moms and mm-hmm. IVF moms, mm-hmm. lots of straight people who couldn't conceive naturally. I'm mm-hmm. not doing this by myself. So if I look to my left and my right and I see adoptive mothers and IVF moms mm-hmm. who couldn't donate or women who couldn't carry their children but were able to give their eggs, like there's so many mm-hmm. women sitting next to me who I'm going to say have it worse and I don't mean it in a negative way. What I mean is they're women put on this earth who were probably raised to believe that that's something that isn't within their human right to be able to do and they mm-hmm. still couldn't. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm cheating the system, Queen. Mm. Like I, I had to, you know, work, I had to pay for this to happen. Yeah. But when but I look at- Women are kind of told there, and this is not true at all, but there's a societal expectation said that you aren't as much of a woman if you can't of course, have a kid. Of course, 100%. obviously is not true, but that's the- That's the pressure. That's the thing, that's the pressure. Mm. Yeah. And so if I look to the right and I see all those women sitting there and I think about- did you give birth to your child? Did you carry them? Mm. Did you breastfeed? And mm. even if you couldn't, did you raise them every day? Did you get up and change their nappy? Mm-hmm. Are you consumed by, by what is best for them? Are you purchasing products on a daily basis? Are you taking them to daycare? Are you doing sleepless nights? There's mm. nothing more real than that. Mm. So to challenge what you mean when you ask a question like that, which is wildly offensive, mm. is biolo- biologically. Mm-hmm. Is there an issue about being biologically connected to the mm. children? And I would argue that all the people sitting on that sidelines in the majority parenting group, yeah, we all struggle with that a little bit. Of course mm-hmm. we do. But the truth is there is nothing more real than getting up each day and putting your child at the very front of your mind, your priority list, and ensuring they stay alive. Mm-hmm. Every day, all day, 200, 375 freaking hours a minute. Like all I am mm-hmm. thinking about is how best to ensure that these children have a beautiful, happy life. Mm-hmm. There is literally nothing more real than that. Once mm-hmm. you come to terms with that, you can throw your trolling nasty comments at me yeah. all you want, sis, because I'm the real one doing all the real work every fucking day. Yeah. You're the dad. Mm. Do you, are you called dad and dad or is it papa and like, what's the? <laughs> I'm dada <laughs> and a... he's daddy. Oh, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. it. We let the children choose. Oh, really? Yeah, we went in with our ideas. I was going to be pop because I call my dad pop. Cute. But, you know, it, it's a part of a journey for them. You can't force them. them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, exactly. like, you're like, pop. You're like, dad. You're like, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> you're like, dad. You're like, okay. I guess you're choosing. And then you're actually saying before when people were talking about the mother and saying, having a real mother, mm. I'm assuming people say they need a mum. Yep. How do you respond to that? Listen, 
I have a different answer, I think, than, than a lot of gay people. I think the relationship that my children have with females is critical. Mm-hmm. It is an absolutely an integral part of, of what it means to be a human, to have um, different people in your lives with different lived experiences, mm-hmm. different genders. As, as a father of a, of a young daughter, I'm mm-hmm. also not aware. I am aware, sorry, of my blind spots. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know about the lived experience. I didn't have to go through puberty. I don't have a period. So I want to be able to give that to my daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pretend that I have answers. I don't mm-hmm. need to pretend that I understand. We have enough of an issue with men pretending they understand mm-hmm. the female experience. Papa does not need to continue <laughs> furthering that. Still trying. Still trying. <laughs> Did you hear that, kids? Papa, it is. Papa. So for me, it's about acknowledging my what I don't know, acknowledging my blind spots, and ensuring that my children always have access to many women mm-hmm. in their lives. What I like to do is remind myself, and this is actually what keeps me going, sure, gay men having children, gay women having children might be a new concept. But what is also a new concept is the idea that two people raise a child. That's a very new idea. Mm-hmm. We are slowly but surely attempting to kill the village, mm-hmm. which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. We have a new concept that it's like once the kids are born, mom and dad run away and don't see any family and every decision making is theirs. That is a new idea, Queen. Yeah. We did not make it this far in human society because two people mm-hmm. took a child and then, no, no, it was a village. Mm-hmm. It's always been a village. Mm-hmm. It's so much of a village that the foundational experience of humans was if a baby was crying, you picked it up and put it on your nipple, whether yeah. it was your child or not. Yeah. And, and so what I like to do is remind myself that if Stella and Cooper, my children, were alive 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, there would have been all of these other beautiful men and women who weren't Mm -hmm. biologically their Mm -hmm. parents, but who took their responsibility, their happiness, and their health Mm -hmm. um, on their own shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so I have an unbelievable mother who is actively involved in my children's lives Mm -hmm. from afar. I have a wonderful Mm mother-in-law. The children have three aunts that are integral parts of their lives. Mm -hmm. And what we do on a regular basis is we remind Stella in particular, but also Cooper, that those women are always available. So mm-hmm. Stella uh, got sand in her vagina one day at the mm-hmm. beach. And she was like, Dad, it really hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't need to like bend down and be like, I know, sweetie. Yeah. I know that it feels, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Like, who am I to pretend that mm-hmm. I have answers? Mm-hmm. And I said, let's get your aunt over. Mm-hmm. So she comes over and then they had their own conversation. I wasn't sitting there like jealous that I didn't have the answers. What I felt was pride, pride Mm -hmm. in myself for feeling comfortable enough to make the connection, Mm -hmm. proud that I'm so lucky enough to have a woman who can come over. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened the next time her vagina got hurt? Nothing to do with sand. And she said, can we call her aunt? And I just thought, there's the village. It's right there. How amazing. It's right fucking there. How amazing. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing auntie. Yeah. I mean, that's, so I think as a parent, it is your job. So let's just take, most people listening are going to be straight. Hopefully, mm. allies. But even if you're mm. not, you know, gotta mm. educate you too. <laughs> if you're, you don't need to be an ally. That's fine. With me. Um, if you're a straight couple mm. uh, and you're consumed by having all the answers for your children, you're potentially setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. You don't know who your child is going to become. Mm-hmm. They might be gay or trans. They might be in a wheelchair, and they can't always connect to you mm-hmm. as this parent who's so much older and might lack the experience. Mm-hmm. So why not find the people that have the answers? So if your child comes out, you don't need to like be reading every single book to make sure you have all the answers. You can find other gay people who can come in and assist them. It doesn't make you less of a parent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you any less real. I think we need to like bring the village back if we Absolutely. can. Absolutely. We've got a lot of questions about raising kids who are LGBT mm. or being people who are uh, gay parents also voting questions. And people want to know how to raise kids to either be allies or to be comfortable to be themselves if they are part of that community. Yeah, that's such a great question. There's a revolution occurring. It's because millennials are now having children. Mm. It's our exact generation stepping into the parenting experience off the back of three beautiful decades of much more acceptance than we've had. Mm-hmm. in centuries. So you have a, a lot of young people who are stepping into parenting, hyper aware of sexuality, hyper aware of pronouns, mm-hmm. hyper aware that there's the potential that their child might be X. Mm-hmm. And so what you have is a lot of parents wanting to understand, well, I don't know what my child will be, but but how could I ensure 
that I give them what your mother gave you Mm -hmm. because my parents, both my mother and my father, were really accepting. Mm -hmm. Their framework, their foundation was who you are is fine. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And in this house, you can do whatever you want to do. The outside world, dark and dirty. Mm -hmm. You're going to get glares. You're going to get stares. You're going to get things thrown Mm -hmm. at you. You might not have a job. You could get beat up. But here in this house, Mm -hmm. you can be whoever you want to be. So if you're a parent listening, whether you're queer or straight or not, imagine what it would look like I know that this will feel like a bomb, but imagine what it would look like to raise your children just in your head as bisexual. Imagine what it would mm-hmm. look like to just raise your child. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Instead of your go-to being, hey, Johnny, do you have a girlfriend at school? Just imagine what it would look like if you said, hey, Johnny, do you have a partner? Well, first off, don't sexualize your small child. Like, yeah, wait like, till they're 13 yeah. <laughs> or 15. But, but do still. you like anyone? Yeah. Like an open-ended question. Keep perhaps. it broad. Because uh-huh. I don't think any parent wants their child to, f- to feel what we all felt as gay people growing mm. up or mm. feeling a little bit different. Mm. No parent wants their child to struggle in silence. No mm. parent wants their child to go, well, I can't tell my parents that I'm this because they accidentally every time said that I was straight. The reality mm. is they're most likely to be. But if your goal is to just be an accepting parents to create mm-hmm. a safe space, just imagine, just imagine a thought experiment, what it would look like to look at your child and not um, expect what their sexuality is. Mm. So if you can take a step back and go, I'm just going to create a safe space. Uh, I'm going to use broader terms like partner. When they decide their sexuality on their own timeline, they are absolutely more likely to tell you because absolutely. you haven't created a box for them to live in. Yeah. And then the only other thing I think about a lot is as children, ex- exploration and play is, suppo- is the foundation mm-hmm. of what a childhood is supposed to be about. And we're so trapped in gender norms and gender roles that when a boy mm-hmm. wants to wear a skirt or get his nails painted or a girl wants to shave her head or wear a baseball cap or play cricket, we're still very much obsessed with what that means. Mm-hmm. Self-expression has nothing to do with sexuality. Mm -hmm. Your son wearing a skirt one day when he's six does Mm -hmm. not mean he's going to be a homosexual, my friends. Allowing your child to express themselves at a young age and not making it a big deal also decreases the likelihood of them not trusting you. Mm -hmm. So create a safe space. Think broad. Let them play and explore. And don't get worked up in your head about what the outside world is going to think. That's your internalized homophobia. They're just six. They're just playing dress up. Yeah. Well, someone actually asked the question and it was, so they have a four-year-old boy and he used to love princess dresses and pink and purple and glitter. And then a kid Mm. said something mean to him Mm. and now he won't have a bar of it. And the mum was asking, how do I get him back to his happy self or something, happy little self? What advice would you give in that situation? Because the mum's like, please do. Do when you used to happy before, but now apparently he's very, he's not as happy anymore, but he doesn't want to touch the pink and purple and glitter dresses and anything. Contrary to popular opinion, we can't save our children Mm. from everything. Mm. We can't show up at school and make and fix everything. Mm. We can't rock up at their workplace when they're 23. We can't chase Mm. their ex-boyfriends down. The Mm. only thing we're in control of is our house, our home, Mm -hmm. our rules, our trust. If you can make sure that your child knows that your arms and your home is a safe space for them to express themselves, if you can continue to put the dresses out, if you can continue to go shopping in both clothing sections every time you go Mm -hmm. to the store, and every time they are bullied or someone says something silly, you remind them that that's not how you feel, Mm. then that child is going to be happier. The reality is I still get bullied. I still get made fun of. Mm -hmm. I still get judged for my clothing choices. And I and it happened through childhood. And I can relate. I absolutely, I pulled out of dance, quit dance mm-hmm. 10 years in to a great career for a year because I got made fun of. Mm-hmm. But what my mother said was, we love you. Mm-hmm. We love that you dance. And if you want to go back, you can, my love. So when I did want to go back, I felt like she was a safe space. That's mm-hmm. all she's in control of. She can't trace, chase the bullies down. She mm-hmm. can't change the reality of the human experience. Mm-hmm. The fact that we still live in a society that says men wear X and women, you know, wear mm-hmm. Y. Mm-hmm. So just my focus and my hope is that in your home to that specific person asking the question is create the safe space, allow them to play, allow them to explore then, then mm-hmm. and have conversations about the difference between what happens at home with the people you love and mm-hmm. then bullies and strangers. What do you think the biggest challenges for kids these days and what do you think is changing? I think there's a massive challenge right now in exploration. So the right would say young people are 
slapping labels on themselves too mm-hmm. early. Young people are exploring their sexuality too early. Mm-hmm. Young people can't possibly know any of those things. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing, and ask any teacher in any classroom in any country, you're seeing a lot of young people, now that they have a language, exploring their sexuality a little mm-hmm. bit more. A lot more children wanting they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. A lot more children wanting to explore having a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so I think the problem with that is then you're going to have a lot more people from opposing views thinking that that's problematic, mm-hmm. uh, struggling with that, challenging it, judging people. What I would say is that also is a double-edged sword happens to be what's so beautiful about our lives. Mm. I think it's really hard for people to realize that behind closed doors, a lot more people than you know are struggling with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. If you close your eyes and take a trip back down memory lane in the 90s and 80s and 70s and 60s, some of the men and women in your neighborhood who had children were actually gay and lesbian. Mm-hmm. And they suppressed it. And they had so much intense internalized homophobia. They lived a life of lies. They lied mm-hmm. to their partner. They cheated their partner out of a loving marriage where mm-hmm. that person was sexually attracted to them mm-hmm. because society wouldn't allow them to explore. Mm-hmm. Exploration is just a phase. It's just a chapter in a really long book. Mm-hmm. So having a child who wants to explore pronouns or explore sexuality mm-hmm. is healthy. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent and you can realize that your fears about what society will think of them does not need to be placed and put pressure on a child's one year of their life. It's a mm-hmm. footnote. Just allow them to explore. I I think that's what's hard for children right now mm-hmm. is being able to explore without the judgment of people who disagree. But it's mm-hmm. also going to, what we're going to see is a lot more people who know their truth, who got the opportunity to explore. So many more. Right. Because really, I mean, only mainstream media, non, the idea of something non-binary really in Western culture then be around in the forefront for I would say two or three years You're right. of when I've mm-hmm. really, really heard about it or spoken about Max, did you that's Yeah, I would agree. I've been th- like I've been a member of the LGBTIQ plus community for like ten years now and I still only find it you know the last two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't even been a conversation in our community. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, if you look at human history, obviously non-binary and transgender people have been around documented for all of human history. Like Absolutely. as long as we've been writing, mm-hmm. they have been present. Mm-hmm. And specifically, you even look at Aboriginal cultures from Canada and Australia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, non-binary individuals, it was different labels and names have always mm-hmm. been present. But you're right. The comfort and to explore and express is is you know, two years, five years, it's been much more part of our culture. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have a lot of young people who want to explore what that means for them. But you're also going to have a lot of young people because they can explore it safely Mm -hmm. will be able to realize that that's their truth. Yeah, there's this false narrative of the right saying that, oh, all these kids are just using these labels. And when I say kids, I mean like from eight-year-olds through to like 21-year-olds, you know, Gen Z basically, saying they're just using these labels because they think it's trendy or cool. And I don't stop to think to think, Maybe they just had the language for the first, this is the first generation that had the language of access to TikTok where people their age or a little bit older can be like an online big, you know, big sibling and they can explain to them how they felt, what they felt, Mm. even when it comes to transes or any kind of part of the queer community. Mm. They then have the language of the understanding given to them in a digestible minute-long, 15-second-long TikTok. Yes. They can understand it. There's a spread of information. It isn't that it's trendy or cool because the reality of it is while it may seem it's popping up a lot, in the general population, it it those kids will still be picked on. Exactly. It isn't trendy or cool. No. Unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. It's still They still struggle with depression. It isn't an easy route because in the TikTok world and their algorithm, it, it, it seems that it's every single person. The algorithm is in fact just supporting who they are and their understandings. Yes. I mean, there's so much, there's, oh, it's so true. And there's so much to unpack here Mm -hmm. because it's such a beautiful conversation that needs to be addressed. A few things. One, I think there are people who disagree with the LGBTQI plus community in general that think that people who think they're trans walk into a hospital and go, I'm trans. And the doctor goes, cool, surgery's tomorrow. Let's cut it off. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's not how it works. It's incredibly complicated. Mm. You need to go to psych, like psychological assessment for a full year. Mm-hmm. You have to have counseling from a doctor. Your parents have to sign it off. Mm-hmm. You have to go to court. There's so mm-hmm. much work. And psychologically, doctors can identify when someone is clearly 
struggling so intensely mm-hmm. with gender dysphoria mm-hmm. that helping them and allowing them to go through the process is suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. We know that. Absolutely. So there's that. Then what is so wrong? I, this is what I don't understand. What is so wrong with exploration? What is so wrong with someone just experimenting? So much of what it means to be a child is exploring. Mm-hmm. If a straight person came home one day and said, I have a girlfriend that's POC, a person of color. And mm-hmm. then the next week they have a girlfriend that's white. And then the next week they have a girlfriend that is really tall. And then mm-hmm. the week after that, they have a girlfriend that's really short. Mm-hmm. No one judges that mm-hmm. they're experimenting with mm-hmm. different types of women mm-hmm. to explore your sexuality safely, to experiment with pronouns it might not be your forever path, but that exploration is an opportunity for you to find out. Yeah. Do you want us to do it behind closed doors unsafely, mm-hmm. outside of your home, mm-hmm. dangerously, or mm-hmm. online, and showing up at hotel rooms with strangers? Mm-hmm. Or would you like us to be able to talk to you about our exploration? And so I think if you allow that to happen, no adult can look me in the face and say who they were at six is who they are today. Mm-hmm. So why are you struggling so much with little children just exploring themselves? I don't get it. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I just want to ask you, what was the biggest learning curve for you in regards to parenting? Because if I become a parent, I'm going to be shitting myself. I'm going to be calling you. Mm, please do, shot. yes. <laughs> what was the biggest shock for you or your yeah, hardest thing to learn besides, oh, the kids vomit on you and they cry all the time? Like, yeah. Yeah, we know. <laughs> the biggest learning curve is how... I don't mean this. Oh, no, I do mean it, actually. I don't know why I said that. Mm-hmm. I, what I don't want to do is for people to be like, he's a dick. But the mm-hmm. truth is, the hardest part of parenting is other parents. Really? It's like, you're just trying to do your damn best while sleep-deprived, which is mm-hmm. torture. By, like, we literally use it in torture to get mm-hmm. people, you know? You're sleep-deprived. You're trying your absolute best. You only have the skills you've been given. You mm-hmm. only had the parents you had. You only know what your country and society taught you. Mm. You only have the partner you chose to have children with and you're just trying to do your best. And at every corner is another parent going, you did what? You did this? Oh, my child walked this fast. Well, my daughter did this. Well, just you wait. You don't even understand. It's this constant competition. It's the comparison Olympics. And it absolutely has been not just the hardest learning curve for me, but the one thing that I have been like, am I cut out? to be a personality within this space when I struggle so much with other parents trying to tell people what to do. So they DM you if you post about something saying, why would you have your daughter do X, Y, Z? Do you get DMs? I mean, only like only like one a minute. You know what I mean? Like not, not that often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like every yeah. time you post. I mean, yes, of course. And I don't just mean me. I mean like every single parent on the internet, mostly women, right? Who yeah. say, I'm giving my daughter carrots. You're giving her that young? Oh, you should cut it up smaller. Or, oh, my daughter choked, so you should be careful about that. It's just this constant, instead Mm -hmm. of just coming to terms with the reality of the human experience, which is just, we're all different. We all make different Mm -hmm. choices. If there was a way to do it, don't you think we would have a Bible by now? Yeah, This isn't our first rodeo. That's so true. We've been doing this a long time. Well, even when you had, you had your appendix out. Yeah, recently. Thank God. Mm. Survived. See you later, appendix. Didn't need you. Didn't need you, bitch. Didn't need you, bye, bitch. So thin. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. And you did a beautiful post about parenting through the pain. Did you get any, I don't want to say backlash, but any corrections? Okay, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I love that post. I loved it so much. If you guys could see my eye roll right now, it's like so massive. Please. You can hear it. You can hear uh, <laughs> You need that? Okay. Um, I actually had one of my closest friends, Lauren, reached out to me the second the post went out. And she's like, get ready. And I was like, for what? And she's like, the number of women specifically who are going to compare their pain to yours. And I was like, that's not going to happen to me. Like, mm. I'm a gay man. Like, mm. they, they know there's no comparison. Mm. Also, in that post at the bottom of the post, I had a paragraph that said, if you're a single parent— or a parent living with chronic pain. I can never understand what you've gone through, but I now understand today more than I did yesterday how hard it is to be a parent Mm -hmm. struggling with pain. So like the post was basically about, I had to take my small children to the ER at three in the morning because my husband was gone through the worst pain of my life, screaming, vomiting in the car, pulling the car over, vomiting everywhere with your two children there. Lots of single parents, that's the only option they have, what I had to go through. And lots of people who live with chronic pain have to do that every day in front Mm -hmm. of their children. Mm -hmm. So all I wanted to do is, again, I don't represent men. I don't represent gay people. I don't represent parents. I'm just me sharing my Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. But people really struggle with that. They struggle because, I mean, I I think I know why they struggle. Being a mother in particular, going through pregnancy in particular, Mm. is insanely traumatic 
even if you have the, quote, easiest mm-hmm. of pregnancies. It's a traumatic experience. Your entire body gets changed. The world treats you differently. Pregnancy is traumatic. And then what we do with women in particular is the moment they have their children, we say, how's, it, how's your kid? How, how's your kid? Yeah. Everything cool with the kid? I don't think about you. Of course not. That's why well, I would always baby showers. I always get the mother a massage and a facial voucher for go. post-birth. And maybe a vodka. Hot I mean, tip. maybe a bottle. <laughs> always. So I think you have all these parents, again, women in particular, but parents broadly, who never were validated for mm-hmm. the suffering that they've mm-hmm. gone through. They were never, they never had people sit them down and say, two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, are you still in pain? Mm-hmm. How is your healing journey? Mm-hmm. Um, we ask women right after birth, we give them Panadol, send them home and say, mm-hmm. oh, you can't actually take any drugs because you need to be breastfeeding. We, right after they go through the most traumatic physical pain of their lives that men will never be able to understand and relate mm. to, we ask them to breastfeed immediately. Yeah. Can you latch? Can you get ready? So I think for a lot of women, when you hear other people, especially a man, saying, I, I was in a lot of pain and this was hard for me, naturally they will step forward and go, you don't understand pain. Yeah. So I got a lot of like, you think that's right. bad. At least you didn't have to breastfeed right away. At least you didn't this. I have done enough work on myself to be able to hold space for them and Mm -hmm. say, you know what? You weren't validated the way you should have been. Mm -hmm. Women still aren't validated for the way they should for parenting. Mm -hmm. The space is not held. We do not lift them up. We don't give them a break. And so naturally when you hear, and let's just pretend I am a woman sharing that story. There is this competition, this comparison because people aren't validated the way they should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed to just cry. They're not asked questions about themselves. And so in that moment, it's like, yeah, did, did, did I get a lot of people coming for me? Mm-hmm. Did I get a lot of messages where I had to just block people because they were like, who the fuck do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You'll never know what it's really like to be in pain. You use the word pain. You don't even understand one-tenth of what pain is. Of course, yeah, they happened every 10 minutes for three days straight. And that's just a reality of what I do. But I know what they mean. I know what they're really going through. Mm-hmm. So what I can do is send the message and, and say, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Was this story supposed to be about me? Sure, but I, I gave that up when I decided to be a personality online. Fucking hell. <laughs> I feel like I need to like come up with like a, a witty joke to like lighten the mood. Um, don't tell gay people they don't know about pain. We love fisting. And, and good Sean's, job, good Sean's job. had poppers in his nose. Wait, that's that's I have the emotional intelligence of a grape compared to you. That's... <laughs> It took I'm a long time. Grape. He's in Jeez. therapy once it's a in week. Therapy. I've gone to therapy in a while. Actually, I've been too busy. Oh my god, Sean, I've loved having you on. We need to get you back me. when something else happens in the world. Yes, I'm ready. We need to get you back. Ready. I fucking love you. So, what do we want to plug? You can only find me on Instagram because there's nothing else anywhere else, and it's just my first and my last name: S E A N S Z E P S. And that will be in the show notes. And you've got the podcast. Come the out podcast, wherever you are. come out wherever you are. I which was on there. You were. It's basically just interviewing queer people about their coming out experience mm-hmm. and the reality of what it means to be queer, mm-hmm. which is that you don't just come out once, you come out really for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And anything else? Just- uh, I'm Channel 7 has a uh, parenting network called The Village, and I'm one of the contributors. So you can find me there on YouTube. Just success. It's coming, Queen, See? slowly but surely. Thank you so much, Gorgeous. So good having you. God love you.